Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of Encore. I'm your host, Tony Franchetti. It's great to be back on the air after summer convention season, and we certainly hope that you've all had a great summer as well up until this point. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by GIA's newest mass setting, Mass for St. Catherine of Siena. With energy, drive, beauty, and reverence, Mass of St. Catherine of Siena works well within contemporary liturgies and is appropriate for all liturgical seasons. This setting is arranged for SATB voices, piano, and guitar, reaching its fullest potential when percussion and bass are added. The harmonies, arranged by Ed Bolduck, give it fullness, yet the setting is also suitable for cantor and piano alone. For more information, to preview and order this great mass setting, visit www.giamusic.com. And with that, I'm very excited to welcome on today's guest. She's the composer of the new great mass setting that I just mentioned, GIA and WLP artist Lorraine Hess. Lorraine, thank you so much for taking time today to come on the show. It's great to have you. And how are things down in Louisiana? Hot, very hot. Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, probably very hot this time of year, I'm yeah. sure. It's so humid, but um, but I, I love it. I don't, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. You just get used to it when you're born and raised here. Of course. But yes. Thanks for having me today. I'm thrilled yeah. to be here. Very excited to have you on. You're a lot of people are super excited about your new mass setting. Tons of great interest at NPM about it. So yeah, this is this is going to be great. I'm excited. Awesome. You mentioned born and raised in Louisiana, so we'll, we'll kind of start there. I'm sure you know a lot of our listeners are familiar with you, with your story a little bit, but can you just tell us a little bit about your roots and your upbringing? Sure. I was born and raised um, in this beautiful city. And I think because of that, I, um, at a very early age, developed an eclectic background of music. You know, my entire family on my mom's side did some type of music, everything from chant to rock. So mm-hmm. I got exposed to uh, Cajun music and gospel music and uh, traditional liturgical music and, you know, R&B and everything because New Orleans is so eclectic. So Half my family's Italian and half my family is Cajun French. So everybody can cook. Uh, everybody has big families. Everybody hugs, which was really difficult during COVID to, right. you know, not be so affectionate. But my family is uh, big and friendly and, and and New Orleans in general is just a friendly place to be. Right. I, I didn't know you're Italian. I'm Italian yeah. as well. So that's uh, very cool. Right. I guess my first kind of question, you kind of touched on it a little bit there. Um, I was kind of just asking about, you know, when did you begin to take an interest in music? And you mentioned, you know, just being exposed to all those different types of music. So did you have any kind of like musical influences growing up, you know, maybe within your family that kind of just pushed you towards that career? Sure. So my mom's family, uh, my mom was one of nine children. And oh, wow. Yeah. And they live below the poverty line. No, no one owned a car. My grandparents never owned a car with nine children. I just cannot wrap my head around that, but, <laughs> but, um, but they all played an instrument in whatever genre of music that they loved. And so my mom played a lot of piano in the house. And I think all during that time, she was training my ear, um, mm-hmm. learning the classics and she would just play them fluently and probably a very cheap piano, which I thought sounded beautiful at the time. And so at the age of six, my mom started getting me into piano lessons, but I had a really mean teacher and I was very shy. And so I didn't last very long, but I still loved it. And I continued to listen to my mom and she would buy me pieces and I'd kind of self-learn. And then when I got into high school, um, I had been a gymnast for six, seven years and, um, and I got injured. And my very best friend, uh, I went to Dominican high school in New Orleans, which has been around since the 1860s. And she said, uh, you know, I'm taking voice lessons. You sing pretty well at mass. Why don't you 
think about taking voice lessons. And I was a gymnast six days a week, four hours a day. I mean, it was big time competition. And I said, sure, I guess I could try something new. And, and so at the age of 16, I started taking voice lessons. And, you know, I always tell this story that being injured as a gymnast was very devastating for a 16 year old. All my friends were gymnasts all my, all my time was in the gym, Right. but that was God's way of redirecting me and allowing something beautiful and good to come out of that and a vocation of pastoral ministry. Yeah, absolutely. So basically if it wasn't for that injury, you may not have pursued a career in music. And so, yeah, right. Exactly. You said God, all things happen for a reason. So, right. Right. No, I never say that God, you know, forced me to get injured or <laughs> God causes these bad things, but God makes good out of these tragedies or it's not a tragedy. I guess when you're 16, you know, anything's a tragedy, but, right. um, but can make good out of all of our situations. And if we're listening and keep, keep our eyes open. Yeah. Very well said. Great. So the next, next question I got, um, of course, is about your new mass setting. So mass for St. Catherine of Siena. So, uh, can you just give, you know, maybe give our listeners just a little bit, uh, background on the mass, maybe your, you know, your inspiration for writing it and just how it could become, you know, a new favorite for their parish. Sure. So Catherine has always been a, a powerful intercessor for me. She is the, uh, the patroness of our alum association for Dominican high school. She was a third order Dominican. She was a powerhouse. And the more you read about her, you just realize how she would have been a great saint for today. And so um, I always knew that if I was going to write a mass setting, and I think a lot of composers have that as a bucket list item to write a mass setting right. that I would first take a list of all the things I like and dislike about the mass settings that I've sung and make sure that, you know, the, the, I was checking all of those boxes but then I always knew I'd, I'd name it for her. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually the music director at St. Catherine of Siena Parish. I mean, like God is just working in so many ways right. through Catherine. So anyway, so I, when I, when I wrote it, I told my spiritual director that I was working on this project and she suggested I go meet with a Dominican nun here in New Orleans who had been to Siena several times, who knew everything about Catherine. And so I did, I went and sat with her, her name is Sister Noel Tomi. And I said, sister, just tell me everything about Catherine and what she would be like today, because, you know, she's in medieval times. Mm -hmm. And she said she would be doing the same thing she was doing then. She was the one banging on the doors of the rectory during the plague saying, get out here. The people are dying. (laughs) And she was the one who was calling out, you know, issues with the church leadership. But she loved the church, too. She was so she had a a combination of humility and, and beauty, but she was also very bold. And so that, that's it. I want it to be beautiful. I want it to have energy, but I want it to also have some boldness and reverence to it. So that was my goal the whole time. And I th- I say, this is the, one of the, the best things that was born out of COVID for me was that I actually finished it. Yeah. <laughs> it had been like, you know, there's little pieces of the Gloria and not quite sure you like how the Amen ends, but for the most part, I got to finish it. And then I went to Atlanta and I recorded it with Ed Bolduck and he worked on some of the vocal harmonies and the arrangements and working with him is just a dream. I mean, he's just the best and he knows me well. He knows, you know, how, you know, how I like to record things. And anyway, it was a great partnership and in my parish is singing it and I'm hearing it. Others are singing it. So that makes me really happy. And I hope that it makes Catherine happy too. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, that's, that's exciting. Thank you for sharing. 
So you mentioned there, you are currently music director at St. Catherine of Siena in Materi, Louisiana. Did I say that right? It's Metairie. Metairie. Sorry about that. That's okay. okay. Awesome. So I like to ask this question to uh, music directors that I have on the show, just especially because I get to uh, opportunity to interview different directors at different parts of the country and stuff like that. But obviously we had the pandemic, uh, long pandemic, but what are some trends, you know, maybe differences that you've noticed in your church as we kind of move past the pandemic? I know one that's kind of jumping out, speaking to music directors uh, across the country, is that just not all people have come back yet or, you know, um, just things don't seem fully, I guess, back to normal yet. Are, are you noticing any trends like that? We are pretty much back to as normal as I guess normal will be. Right. Um, you know, the sign of peace, our choir's back, we're singing full of churches. Our church is packed. I mean, we good, are good. Yeah. We're, we're packed and our choir has doubled, which I mean, a lot wow. of music directors probably hate me for saying right. that, <laughs> but we did a real push. I think people miss singing so much and it was uh, anyway, it, it um, we are in a great phase or a great season in my parish. Yeah. But um, one of the things that we changed that I absolutely love is, um, you know, when we started getting back to mass, naturally we couldn't pass a collection basket. Right. And so um, our pastor put two big baskets in the front of the church on the altar. I mean, not on the altar table, on the, in, in the altar and sanctuary. And people would bring their gifts up to the um toward the front and little kids were coming holding hands with their siblings and they would wave to the priest and they had all these little smiles and it actually um, it is the ritual so we actually go toward the altar and bring our gifts and we leave them there and then we go back and we witness the miracle so uh, i remember father tim my pastor saying we are not getting rid of this i don't care (laughs) how safe it is this is so much fun it's so beautiful and people are all participating in the ritual now. Right. And so there's even this, there's this precious little girl, she has down syndrome and she's about 10 and she brings her envelope up. And when she passes the canter podium on her way back, she gives me a little thumbs up (laughs) (laughs) while I'm singing. How sweet. Um, And so it's beautiful. I love that. The other thing I think I noticed in my parish is there's a huge emphasis on ministering to people where they need it most. And uh, I was on the pastoral planning committee we're doing a three to five year pastoral plan right now. And we went on retreat in January and everyone was focused on mental health, mm-hmm. helping those who are divorced and widowed and separated um, the LGBTQ plus community. Like what can we do more to reach out to those people who feel unwelcome? And I'm proud of my parish of focusing on really changing the world through helping our parishioners and then t- tithing to other parishes who are in need like I said, we're in a season, we're in a, a really good season in our parish and we're using that for the good. And um, I just see that everyone's really focused on the right things. That's fantastic to hear for sure. And I, as you mentioned, that very special, you know, what you guys are doing with the ritual there. And then of course, to hear that your, you know, choir has doubled, that's just fantastic. I'm oh. very happy to hear that, uh, you know, you guys are doing well down there for sure. The next question, I know this can be kind of a tough question as a composer to pick your, you know, your favorite children, so to speak. But uh, what are a few of your kind of your most favorite pieces that you've written that maybe you'd like our listeners to to check out maybe a particular composition that's, you know, very near and dear to your heart, or a composition that you just really enjoyed working on? Um, I think the the song that's most requested or that I get the most 
feedback from, or people will reach out to me is the tune I wrote for the memory. It took me a long time to finish it. And, you know, I had really high standards for that piece. The, the, the text of the memory is just so beautiful and powerful. Mm-hmm. And, but there've been so many God moments that people have shared with this song, you know, groups of nuns who are praying it in the morning, but like, it's just very humbling to me that a group of really holy women would start their prayer with something that the Holy spirit sent to me. Yeah. Um, also, you know, a good friend of mine lost her husband a few years ago, and that song was kind of a battle cry through his whole illness and for the, for the community who was grieving this, um, very short and, um, sad situation. So that one's really special to me. I actually had a chance to sing it at the cathedral here in new Orleans with about 90 high school girls. If you go on YouTube, you can, you can watch it. It's just beautiful. It, they did such a beautiful job with it. And that was, it was way I could like turn it over to them and, and, and watch it um, kind of come alive through these young voices. So that would be one. Um, a second one that's really dear to me is um, create a clean heart in me. Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. One, it's the first song I ever had sung at a conference of my own. And so that was, that was really special, but was, what was really special was how it came to be. And I was at a conference. I can't remember how long ago I wrote it, but I love to go to confession when I'm at the conferences because the priests that sign up for confession, they love that sacrament. And Mm -hmm. it's nice to get a new perspective from someone who doesn't know who I am or, and so I had so many rehearsals and breakout sessions at this conference. It was only one day that I was going to be able to go. And so I went to confession that day and they didn't have it. And I was so sad because <laughs> I had been so looking forward to that. I was so sad. It was during yeah. Lent. And I mean, it was just really ready to go and had done a great examination of conscience. So anyway, I went back to my room and, um, and I wrote this. And so I wow. wrote it in a state of needing that healing and that created creating a clean heart. Like that was, I wrote it like really praying it. And so it ended up being one that made it into the voices hymnal. And um, so many people have done it. It's so easy to sing and play. It's church musician friendly. It's um, and then who doesn't love to pray Psalm 51? No, it's just, right. um, just one of the best. So those two, I'd say were very, very special to me. And then I would think the third one that, that people will reach out to me about is the song as I pray from the album of the same title mm-hmm. that that is about, you can use that as a beginning of prayer. You just, you sing it right to Jesus. And, and sometimes when you don't have words, you can just, just be in his presence and say nothing. For so sure. I would say, I would say those are the three that are, they're really special to me. Excellent. Yeah. I always enjoy asking that question. It's, it's cool to see, you know, kind of the, the inspirations that, you know, behind the music for sure. All right. Uh, next question here. You, you did mention this earlier as well in April, 2023, you're leading a, uh, a musical pr- pilgrimage to Italy land of your ancestors. And of course, you know, being able to sing the massive St. Catherine of Siena in Siena, Italy. So uh, you just tell our our listeners just a little bit about the the plans, the exciting plans for that trip. Sure. So Jubilate has asked me to be one of their ambassadors, which is so exciting to be able to go on a trip like this. So we're going to go to Florence, then we'll go to Siena, Assisi, and Rome. Wow. And people say, what are you most excited about? I said, Siena and Assisi. <laughs> and most people are like, really? Yes. And um, I asked Ibalatia for this. This is the first trip I'm going on for them. And I asked them if I could kind of do a soft launch of it to my parishioners because we had a trip canceled during COVID. 
And I wanted my pastor who's coming with me to be able to open it up to them first. Yeah. And so, so many people are coming from St. Catherine to Siena Parish and we're going to be singing it in Siena. And I think we're going to live stream the mass. Cool. So, um, uh, I had talked to GIA about uh, possibly Definitely. helping with that. And it would be just so beautiful. I don't know if I'll be able to get through it actually, because <laughs> to be right there where um, Catherine lived and sing the song that was inspired by her. It's going to be uh, a very powerful moment for me personally. Um, but anyway, I'm very thankful to, um, to Yubilate for inviting me to do this. And then we're looking at the following year, possibly doing a festival choir of all St. Catherine of Siena parishes throughout the country, putting together a big choir to go back and sing there. So yeah, that's kind of in the works too. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Rome cool. is, we'll be in Rome during the octave of Easter. So it's good. The churches are going to be gorgeous. We'll be there for Divine Mercy Sunday. Um, very excited about this. Wow. Is it, uh, is it your first time to Italy? No, I went about 15 years ago. I did not go to Siena or Assisi. Mm-hmm. And I know Assisi has been on my bucket list for a long time. But yeah. um, I've been to Rome and Florence, but uh, this will be uh, a new way to see it. Okay, awesome. Great. So we'll uh, we'll switch switch tunes here to a few kind of casual type questions here for uh, the interview here. This next one, as a resident of New Orleans, born and raised in New Orleans, what are a couple of things you would suggest to someone visiting New Orleans for the first time? I've never been to New Orleans. So say oh, if, if I give you well, a call, Lorraine, I'm coming down. Yes. What would you, you, you know, what would you say you got to do? Okay. First of all, and I would tell anyone this, you might want to drop a couple of pounds before you get here. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's the best food in the world. I mean, I've, I've, I've been to Europe. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to New York, Dallas, Atlanta. I mean, yeah, it's, I've been to, you know, the Caribbean, it is the best food in the world. And so um, you don't want to miss a meal. So yeah. I would suggest that. And then also <laughs> talk, talk to the locals about where to eat. There are mm-hmm. probably 400 restaurants within walking distance of one. I mean, like there's that much um, good food and culture. Um, so anyway, I would say visit some of the really good museums. People don't normally think of, they think of the French quarter, which is, it's a, it's a good piece of the city, but the D-Day museum is a top 10 museum in the world. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. And then there's Mardi Gras world where you could, if you, no matter what time of year you come, you can see all the floats from Mardi Gras, see how, how that works. It's beautiful to take the kids. You might want to go on a swamp tour. They have alligators yeah. come right up to the boat. So much fun. The kids love that. They put little hot dogs on a stick and the alligators <laughs> come jump. So that's fun. Um, I would stay in the French quarter or okay. close to, because everything's walking distance. New Orleans is not very big. And that way you, 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 you can get around uh, very easily. Best time of year to come is October and April. Okay. April, usually three weeks in a row, you have music festivals. So those are great times of year to come. And like Jazz Fest for $75 for the day, you get to hear multiple bands and big bands at the end of the day. Sometimes Aretha Franklin, sometimes um, Earth, Wind and Fire, sometimes um, even my pop bands at, um, from today. It's, but they'll have the blues tent, the gospel tent, the uh, the main tent. It's it's a it's a great time to visit. Yeah, that sounds cool. And who needs a tour guide? I got Lorraine Hess, so I'm, I'm go. all good. I, I got a leg up for sure. <laughs> I'd love to pay and plan your trip. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's 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 been a spot that always said a place I'd like to go. So it's 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 on the list for sure. I just need to get some yeah. some some time away from GIA here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So the next question, I, I like to ask this question to uh, music artists when I have on. It's just cool to see kind of the different um, 
influences and kind of different styles that come out in this question. So who are some kind of mainstream, non-sacred musical artists that you like to listen to in your free time? Sure. I guess like on the weekends, if I'm playing music at my house and I'm cooking or have friends over, I'll probably pick like the John Mayer station and yeah. everything really love his music. Oh, I mean, everything that he does, it's just, uh, I'll never get tired of. Um, and then love Bruno Mars. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's on my bucket list to go see him perform at some point. Um, so entertaining and talented. I mean, gosh, definitely. He's, uh, he's like the, uh, definitely bucket list um country music darius rucker carrie underwood that's what kind of music i'm interested in um maybe um some adele lauren daigle um but you know i mean i'm an 80s girl so i still love classic rock my kids love classic rock so we'll you know aerosmith journey queen i mean those are the bands that i probably will never get tired of right for sure i'm glad you uh you mentioned John Mayer. My wife is obsessed with John Mayer. Every time he comes to Chicago, you know, we have to, you know, go see him at the, at the United Center. But he he is great for sure. Yeah. He's, you know, just the way he plays the guitar. It's it's incredible for sure. Yeah. And I'm a big country music fan as well. Uh, Chris Stapleton, um, mm-hmm. Eric Church, you know, some that's yeah. very cool. All right. Next uh, thing we got here for you is the pick one segment. So in this segment, I'm going to give you a choice of two things. And you'll have to choose your favorite of those two and give me a brief explanation as to why you chose that as the favorite of those two. Okay. Okay. So the first one we got spring or fall? Spring. Spring. Okay. Next one, Batman or Spider-Man? Batman. Batman. Okay. I'd agree with you there. I've always been a Batman guy. I can't, I can't <laughs> tell you why though. I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess, yeah, Batman, definitely. All right, next one. I think I might know the answer to this uh, to this question as you're uh, an alumni of the school, but New Orleans Saints football or LSU Tigers football? Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's so, you know, I'm an LSU graduate, so I've right. got a pull for the Tigers. Right. Um, so, yeah, I guess if I had... If I had to choose between a national championship for LSU or the yeah, Super, Bowl Super Bowl with the Saints, I think I'd go to the national championship with LSU. For sure. Gotcha. And they, I heard they got a really good uh, recruiting class coming in, too, with, of course, with new coach yeah. Brian Kelly from right. Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame's right. kind of a, you know, an in-market Chicago team kind sure. of here. So, yeah, that should be uh, exciting to, to watch it unfold so. for sure. Uh, next one, gumbo or jambalaya? Gumbo. Gumbo. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you can have seafood gumbo. You can have a shrimp on dewy sausage gumbo. Gumbo is just kind of whatever you throw in the pot and it's easy to cook, cook, and it always tastes good. Jambalaya is a little more carb heavy. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, last one. And also with a little bit of a New Orleans theme to it, jazz music or blues music? Mm, I would say blues at blues, blues is probably easier to play jazz man if you if you look at some of that sheet music for jazz like what the oh, heck yeah. chord is this and jazz music every song is like seven or eight minutes because <laughs> right. i love them both i mean that's kind of hard to that's kind of like picking one of your children you yeah know? right i get i gave you a couple a couple tough ones there right sure. that was tough. <laughs> awesome Great. So the next one, uh, and we'll wrap on this question. Before I do that, uh, I just want to give you uh, your website a quick shout out. Everyone go check out your website. That's uh, www.lorrainehess.com. So uh, go check out Lorraine's website. See what, she, see what you got there. 
next question or last question, I should say, and I apologize is it's kind of a broad question, but just kind of a way to kind of, you know, bring us full circle, wrap up the interview here. So what's next for Lorraine Hess? So as I sit here in 95 degree temperatures, I'm putting, <laughs> I'm putting together my advent tour. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's time for Christmas. Um, no, this is actually the 10 year anniversary of my Christmas album called Cradle yeah, in Bethlehem. Cradle and Bethlehem. so we've yep. been doing concerts every year for the last 10 years. And so this year we're um, um, doing a big concert here in New Orleans. And um, right now I'm booking concerts around the country. So if anybody's interested in having us um, on the tour, now's the time to figure as we piece together, you know, the route that we'll be right. taking. Um, so we're hoping to do a few of those. And a very high energy. If you check out the album, it's Cradle in Bethlehem. It's very all the all the arrangements um, that I wrote for some Christmas classics. Noel's so much fun to sing. Um, but then there's a few pieces that um, are published with um, WLP and GIA on that album also that uh, might work for choir too. Anyway, right. we're gonna have a lot of fun. It's it's high energy, very participative, and so we're putting the tour together. Okay, awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Lorraine. This has been Thanks, fun. Tony. I appreciate it. It's great to see you yeah, and talk you, to you. You and, as well. Uh, yeah. I hope all, all is well with your family, your new grandbaby and everything. So yeah. good. Good yeah, to hear. Same you. Awesome. All right. We'll but talk thank soon you. then. Yeah. Okay. You have a good rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Take care, Lorraine. Okay. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Lorraine Hess. For a limited time, we'll offer all Encore listeners 10% off some of Lorraine's music. Included in that discount is all the editions of the new Mass of St. Catherine of Siena and two of Lorraine's recordings, As I Pray and Glorify Him. Use the code ENCORE10 at checkout. That's E-N-C-O-R-E and the number 10. The promo code will be good through Monday, August 29th. I'm going to play a couple of sample clips of some of the music from these editions. Our first clip is the Alleluia from Mass of St. Catherine of Siena. Our second clip is titled Creating Me a Clean Heart from the album As I Pray. Create a clean heart in me. 
Last clip is titled Glorify Him by Your Life from the album Glorify Him. Thank you for tuning in to episode 20 of Encore. Be sure to take advantage of those discounts on Lorraine's music. And as always, stay tuned to our social media channels and soundboard.giamusic.com for updates on our next episode. Until next time, take care, everyone.